You are listening to I Lucked Out, a podcast memoir of retired civil rights attorney Harvey Friedman. I'm your host, Jeremy Neff, and this week we get a look into Harvey's less than glorious first few jobs after law school. The year is 1966, the place is Miami Beach, Florida, and despite every desire to the contrary, Harvey finds himself in business with none other than Ann Friedman. That's right. His mother. My folks decided that I was going to be a rich real estate lawyer. The reason I was going to be a rich real estate lawyer is because my mother was in the real estate business with a man who happened to be her boyfriend. Now, understand she was married to my father, but this was irrelevant, okay? Sounds like so, a pretty interesting family business to uh, was brought into. an interesting family uh, affair. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It went on for years that way, and I learned to live with it. So, uh, but the folks decided to set up a law office for me, and we went to a big high-rise building down near the courthouse on Flagler Street in Miami, and actually rented about, I guess, a two-room office. And my mother sets herself up as my secretary. Understand, please, my mother could not type, okay? And they didn't have computers in those days. So she was there mostly to harass you or uh, take the calls? Take the calls if any would come in. Right. <laughs> did you guys have much business? I can't say that we did. Okay. It was uh, principally uh, neighbors of my folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a few wills, but one case I did uh, took me to court uh, for a hearing. First time I'd ever been in court alone doing any kind of hearing, and my dad goes with me. Sounds like, a, sounds like a proud father. He was. He yeah. was. Okay, great. So how'd but it go? I think Dad also wanted to make sure I did it right. Okay. You know? Now, okay. now please understand that uh, my dad had never graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. Okay? He was a smart man. All right. And a businessman. But he had never graduated from high school. Didn't know beans about law. But thought he did. So we go to this uh, courtroom. I have a little hearing, uh, preliminary something. I have no idea what the case was about, but I had to speak up to the judge. I had to make some sort of presentation. And my father starts whispering into my ear as to what I should say. And I said, no, no, in a whisper. Dad, no, no, (laughs) I can't say that. That's not ethical. I think he wanted me to say something like that. Uh, You know, the other side is uh, guilty and a jerk. (laughs) Just a real character. Right, 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 right. I put it that way. I put it that way. Okay. So I said, no, can't do that. And I did my shtick. I don't know if I won or what happened. But I'll tell you, 
got back to that office with my mother not typing, but sitting at a little desk, wanting to know what happened, and my father very concerned that I'd not listened to his very sage advice. <laughs> and I decided right on the spot that this was not for me, that I never wanted to be a rich real estate lawyer or truthfully a rich anything, because I didn't think in terms of money. I was thinking in terms of social justice in those days. Mm -hmm. It was the era, and I was into that. And comes along uh, some opportunities for an interview with the office of the city attorney of Miami Beach for an assistant attorney position. This was a plum position. Any kid in my class would have died for it. Mm -hmm. Well, somehow, I landed the position. Great. And I become assistant city attorney of Miami Beach, and now I am prosecuting cases in front of a judge. I'm pals with the police chief, Rocky Pomerantz, who became a very good friend. And uh, Judge Goodman was the kindly judge who became a friend also, who I tried cases in front of. And uh, I'll tell you just two stories. One is that I was driving with Rocky, the police chief, in his beautiful big police car, down Washington Avenue, Miami Beach, real fancy today because it's South Beach, mm -hmm. pretty beat up back then. And uh, there's uh, he stops the car in the middle of the street because an old lady is crossing the street right in front of him. And he, he opens the window. There were no electric windows. He rolls mm -hmm. it down. And he says to her, lady, don't you know you can't cross the street in the middle like this? And she says, why not? And he said, because it's against the law. <laughs> and she says, well, what do you tell me? Law, schmaw, go away, leave me alone. And he says to her, look at this car. Do you see this? <laughs> I'm the chief of police. I don't care who you are. And with that, she bangs her pocketbook against his car. And, you know, what does Rocky do? We go out and arrest her? No. He rolls up the window. He carefully moves the car away so he doesn't hit her. And he turns around to me and he says, what am I going to do? What am I going to do here? Can't arrest uh, an old lady. No, uh, well, no, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And there's no use to do it. So he goes on. It sounded like an SNL sketch. Chief Rocky. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Abused it by was. old women <laughs> all over Miami Beach. <laughs> uh, Rocky was a terrific character, by the way. Uh, about 300 pounds, uh, but fitted perfectly in that police uh, chief uniform. Uh in any case, 
The one other case of uh, significance that I recall uh, trying is that I did go at with a vengeance, the only case, and that is of the kosher meat inspector on Miami Beach. And uh, this was a guy who was supposed to certify meat or kosher products as being kosher. And he had a deal with the stores or whoever, the distributors, that he would falsely certify these things, therefore making much more money for the distributors. Because if it didn't have to actually be koshered, and he could certify it was, they could sell it at a greater profit. Mm -hmm. They'd avoid the middleman, so to speak. Sure. And uh, he came up on charges when someone made an accusation that he had falsely certified kosher items uh, that were not kosher. And with him, I really went after him because this, I thought, was wrong. What I couldn't get with is the other cases I had, and they were principally um, prosecuting kids who had slept on the beach at night. This was ridiculous, but that was my job. I did it. I pretended. I had my own little sentence, by the way. Yeah. They would be, uh, Judge Goodwin uh, would... Uh, uh, find them guilty because they were guilty. He'd sentence them to whatever, a day or two in jail. <laughs> I took them up into this little jail in Miami Beach, court, and uh, I would climb the door shut, these heavy iron doors, and scare the kids. And when I thought they were scared enough, I said, okay, sentence is over. Fine. <laughs> Get out of here. Don't come back. But one day, a real case comes. Real to me. And that is this group of guys who were dancing in a gay bar. We'll have that story right after the break. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Yeah, that's right. We don't have any sponsors yet. But if you'd like us to say anything on air and release it to our wide, wide circulation of listeners, go to www.iluckedout.com sponsors for all the information you need. For the right price, we'll say practically anything. Now, back to Miami Beach, where Harvey is still an assistant city attorney, but not for long. I was fired after three months. (laughs) (laughs) No time at all. Yeah, I know. I was very quick. (laughs) Very quick. And... uh, but uh, interestingly, I was fired by Elliot Roosevelt, the son 
of President Roosevelt. He was the mayor of Miami Beach. And uh, I refused to prosecute a case of gay guys who were caught dancing in a gay bar in high heels. I had no idea, first of all, that men danced together. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, I had no idea that there was this gay bar, mm. or what a gay bar was, for that matter. And it was about 10 blocks from where my folks lived on Miami Beach. But there was this arrest, and the mayor wanted to sweep the city clean oh, <laughs> of homosexuals. Oh, Jesus. Well, I and I was as assistant city attorney, the one of the assistant prosecutors, and given the job of prosecuting these guys. So I went to this gay bar because. What an adventure! What an adventure! Right? Sounds like right, change. Right, right, <laughs> right, And uh, I wanted to see what was going on mm -hmm. <laughs> before I prosecuted them. And I walk in there, and there's a curtain and a, two curtains, and uh, you know, no one's disturbing the peace. But inside, these guys are close dancing. Some of them in high heels with each other. And this pretty much shocked me. I had no idea that this went on. On the other hand, I said, what harm is this? Right. Why would I be prosecuting this? They're behind all these curtains. Yeah. <laughs> My parents don't know about the bar. I don't know about the bar. It's not like it's affecting anyone. And they look so happy. Right. <laughs> so I left. I did leave. I didn't start dancing. Okay. <laughs> that would come later. No, no, no. Yeah, that would come later. <laughs> Though never not here. But uh, I did uh, leave. And... Um, I decided I'm not prosecuting these guys, getting them arrest records and all that. Um, and so I refused. And uh, I told that to my boss, the city attorney, and he said, you have to prosecute him. That's your job. I'm, mm -hmm. You know, I'm telling you to. The mayor wants you to. I said, well, I can't. I can't do this. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to. And he said, okay, we'll leave it up to the mayor. And uh, a couple of days uh, later, I, I get a, a summon. I am summoned by Mayor Roosevelt to his office. Yeah, FDR's prodigal son. <laughs> right, no right. Now, uh, this is a small town, Miami Beach at the time. So we're on a first name basis. And uh, uh, he says to me, you know, you you have to do this. Your boss ordered it. I said, but this doesn't make sense to me. I, I can't do it. He says, Harvey, you have to do it. I said, I can't. I'm not going to. He said, well, if you don't, you're going to be fired. Right. I said, but you can't fire me. 
It's kind of like the attorney general right now, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> with Trump. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to get someone, to, uh, the right attorney general to fire you. Yeah. So only only my boss can fire me. He said, well, trust me, your boss is going to fire you. I said, Elliot, Elliot, my folks were crazy about your dad. Mm -hmm. They voted for him regularly. Yeah. He wouldn't believe what you're telling me now. Well, I don't give a shit about my your folks or my dad. You fire the you 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 will get fired rather. Right. If those guys are not prosecuted by you. And I said no. And I swung around and walked out of his office. And a day later, my boss came to me and said, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> nothing writing, nothing. You're fired. So I was gone. So now I needed a job. Harvey's new job would lead him to Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Georgia, and a little black church in Mississippi where he'd have a run-in with the KKK. All that and more on next week's episode of I Lucked Out, titled Running from the KKK. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy Neff. Thanks for listening to I Lucked Out. You can find all our stuff on our SoundCloud page or www.iluckedout.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. Everybody.